This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Miketz, yeah. Parsha Miketz, 5783, everybody. So, Parak Mem Aleph, Pasuk Nun Right, so all the land of Egypt was starving. They were all starving, the people. They called out to power for Lechem. Go to Yosef. Whatever he tells you to do, that's what I want you to do. So, obviously, there's a major question you can ask on this Pasuk. You look at this Pasuk and it says, just beforehand, that Yosef was called Sofnas Paneach. And in the first instance where he talks to not the Shvatim, but he talks to the Mitzrayim, Paro does not say Lechu el Sofnas Paneach. He says Lechu el Yosef. Go to Yosef. I, I mean, if it's important enough to know, for us to know that he had a nickname named Sofnas Paneach, why is it not important for Paro himself to be able to use that nickname? It seems very, very, very strange, especially if he's a foreigner. The name Yosef is obviously not an Egyptian name like Tzofnas Paneach is. Why would he use that more than anything else? It seems a very, very strange thing for him to do. So that's the first question we're going to ask. The Chidah answers that this is why they went to Paro in the first place. They couldn't stand the fact that a foreigner was telling them what to do. Why was he in charge? and not Paro himself. They went to Paro. They said, Paro, we don't understand. This guy's not from here. This guy is a foreigner. He might, he's around, but he's not somebody that we should listen to. Why are you putting him in charge? To which Paro said, he may be a foreigner, but he saved us. Therefore, go to Yosef, specifically the foreign name, not Sofnas Paneach, the guy from another country, because we owe him that much. The rest of the time, he called him by his nickname, but this time he purposely, purposely, sorry, used Yosef to show that that was the name that he wanted him to be gone by right now, because he was a foreigner. He deserves our respect for saving our nation. The Mayim Bishweva says, truthfully, Paro did tell him to go to Sofnas Paneach, but the Torah calls him Yosef to hint to what he was asking them to do. Meaning what? We're going to see that he's going to ask them to do a bris milah. So in order to get around that and to say that he, whatever, that he asked for that more than anything else, that's why he calls him Yosef. Okay, fine. That's two answers. We'll see if we can come up with another answer for the end of the year. How he's known as Sopnas Paneach normally, but here he's called Yosef when Paro's talking about him. Now, first of all, why were they all starving? Surely they knew that the famine was going to happen. Yosef Atzadik had predicted it before and he was 100% right about the satiety, about the the huge bounty crops that they had gotten for the last seven years. There's no question that they should have realized that and they should have anticipated this famine coming and saved because of it. So how in the world were they all starving all of a sudden? It's all of a sudden by Tirav They had a hunger? Did they not recognize what Yosef was trying to do? So what happened? So Rashi says that all of the rain rotted. All of their grain had rotted. Something's wrong with me today. I think it's the cold. All the grain rotted that day and they're all left with absolutely nothing, right? The only grain that they had that hadn't gone bad was in Yosef's storage houses. So something miraculous happened, and throughout all of Mitzrayim, a wind came and made everything rotten, and Yosef somehow had all the good stuff. Everything was left by him, and there was nothing else. Tavi Yonason says not only did the grain go bad, grow bad, go bad, but even the stuff that they planted in the ground, the seeds that they put in the ground itself, all of that was gone as well. Their seeds didn't sprout. The, 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 what they completely rotted in the ground. Normally, seeds have to rot in 
order to grow. Nothing happened for them, and they lost everything, says Targum Yonason. In fact, the measure says even more. The bread that they baked and put aside in baskets, even the bread rotted. They had no bread, no grain, nothing left in the ground. They had absolutely nothing, and they didn't know what to do with themselves. We did save but we have nothing left. They had absolutely nothing. They were all of a sudden starving. Sora Moore says that is 100% true. They were, the hunger began immediately as if they had been in a hunger for years already. It wasn't like it slowly but surely they ran out of food. Slowly but surely their storages were depleted. That's not what happened, says it Sora Moore. All of a sudden, overnight, they had a ton of stuff stored and everything was gone. They woke up the next morning and they were starving. They had absolutely no, what to, no idea what to do. And that's exactly what Yosef predicted in the beginning of the Parsha. The Kamu the seven years of hunger are going to get up right away. It's going to happen just like that. You're not even going to realize it. It's just going to happen and you're going to be starving and you won't know what happened to you. That's how the Torah more says it. The Maral Diskin says it must be that the hunger started off that way because Paro saw this dream on Rosh Hashanah. Yosef Atzadik told him it would happen seven years later on Rosh Hashanah. It seems it was the beginning of the year when this happened, seven exact years later, right? And that's that. Something drastic must have happened. In order for it to start on Rosh Hashanah, for it to be seven full cows and then seven skinny cows right afterward, it must be that they swallowed up the fat cows. There was no remembrance of the seven fat cows. They were all gone completely and you would just have seven years of pure famine if not for what Yosef Atzadik did. That's the hint, says the Maral Jiskin, to what happened over here, and that it happened all at once, literally all at once. So why did they go to Paro first? They knew that Yosef Atzadik was in charge. Why would they go to Paro and say, Paro, you do this, you take care of it, to which he had to say to them, go to Yosef. Obviously, they knew what Yosef was like. Yosef had been saving for this for seven years. They all knew it. It's possible, and I can't prove any of this, that they used the pyramids as a storage shed. And that's what they did with all the grain. It happens to be that pyramids are really, really good at preserving things. It's a weird thing that people know. So it happens to be it's very good at preserving things. So maybe they used that as storage sheds, and they had these huge pyramids filled with grain that Yosef Atzadik had throughout all of Mitzrayim. Remember, the Jews are not the ones, at least if our historic numbers are correct. I'm not saying that because it could be there's Midrashim, etc. The Jews did not build the the, the, the pyramids that they had in Mitzrayim. That seems to have predated the Jews by eight, nine hundred years. It could be that, again, everything's off by a little bit. Who knows? But it seems that they came before and maybe that was around the times of Yosef and they did it specifically for storage reasons. Ah, you got the Mosarioni. Good. Alright, I like that. Okay, anyway, that, that's exactly what happened over here. So what happened? Why did they go here? So I found four answers to this question. Four answers altogether. First one is the Chizkuni. The Egyptians first asked Paro to sell them his grain. They went to Paro and they said, give us your grain. But Paro said, that's beneath my dignity. I'm not selling my grain. I'm the king. The king doesn't get involved in such petty things. I'm not selling you anything, even if I can make a fortune off it. I'm not doing such a thing. And that's why he sent them to Yosef to be in charge, because whatever price he charges, whatever it's, what, however exorbitant it is, he's the one in charge of the grain, and that's that. So they wanted Paro to do a direct sale. Paro said, I'm too cautious for that. So we went to, they went to Yosef and said, or he told them to go to Yosef and said, that's the first answer. That's a simple, simple answer. The Abarbanel says this is a massive process. And he says the following. He says, at first, other nations started coming to Egypt for food, and the Egyptians who had stored food, not like the Madrashim we just said where everything went bad immediately, they had stored food, started selling to them. But then the smart Egyptians said, wait a second, we might be making a lot of money 
from selling to the other nations, but we don't have enough to last for seven years if we're going to sell to all the nations around us. If we want to survive, we have to keep our grain for ourselves. We just can't give it to any other nation. We can't even sell it to the other nations. So as much as Egypt may have been a, a country that loved tzedakah, that gave to other people, I have no idea. I have no idea if there were people that liked the poor, helped the poor. I have absolutely no idea. But they said we can't do anything now for other people or else we're going to die. They knew it was going to get worse. They knew how long the famine was going to be. Nobody else knew it. So they went to Paro and said, let's make a rule that no one can sell bread outside of the country. That grain cannot be sold outside of the country. It has to stay within our borders and no one is allowed to sell it outside. Can we make that rule? That's what they went to them. They said, we're going to need bread in the future. So they cried out to Paro and said, let's make a decision. And Paro said, I'm out of this. I'm out of this. I hired Yosef as Sopnas Paneach for a reason. I hired him to take care of everything. If he wants people to sell their grain, then people can sell their grain. If he wants to do anything he wants, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. It would be a lot... Yosef Atzadik obviously wanted this to happen. He wanted all the Egyptians to run out of grain. So they would all have to run to him and then he would be the mashbir, not just of Egypt, but throughout the entire world. So he told everybody, anyone who wants to sell their grain can. The people that had extra grain did eventually they ran out of food and everybody had to go to Yosef for grain and they had no choice. That was the idea. So to get around, says the Abarbanel, it was a simple shot, not a crazy, miraculous, everything rotted. It's that the people ran out of food quickly by selling to the other nations. Therefore, they had to go to Yosef and they ended up getting food. And that's why they went to Paro first to stop that, but it was too late. Yeah, no, no. Do you think that it would do it that quickly? So in a year and a half, they lost all of their grain? It could be a year. Yeah, probably a year. Yeah, they lost everything. Because again, people eat a lot. People eat a lot. And if you have a ton of people from a lot of places outside and everybody's selling as much as they can, when you go to Jewel right before a snowstorm, how much do you think you buy? You fill your carts and you get two huge carts and you buy as much as you can, even though you only need it for a few days because you never know. So that's what these people did. The people were coming to Mitzrayim, overbuying, and then taking it out of the country, which meant people made a ton of money, but they didn't leave themselves with much for themselves. That's the idea behind it. They were super rich with no grain to eat. That was the idea. So yes, I can totally hear that happening. And Tziv says something else happened over here. At this point, the wealthy people still had food stored up, but the poor people did not. Paro had an army. And his soldiers, his people, were normally fed from the national food storages. That's what they normally had. They normally got food from the king. The king took care of them. But that was only during wartime, where they needed to fight, and the only way for them to get war. During regular peace times, says the Nitziv, the army would go to all the people of Mitzrayim. They'd go to the other Egyptians, and they'd have something like, I, I forgot what it's called. Maybe somebody here knows it, the word for it, where they would go and they would take money, uh, they would take stuff. Like, it's called Achsanya on the Gemara. I just don't know what it is Otherwise, like it's something where they would go to the people and they would they would stay by them and eat by them. It's in the Constitution. What? Well, quartering. Yeah, quartering. Where they would do quartering and they'd have them stay, they'd eat there, and that was that. Now here's the problem. The soldiers went to Paro and said, we obviously wouldn't quarter by the wealthy. The wealthy wouldn't let us in. We quarter by the poor people and usually they take care of us. But we can't now because the poor people don't have any food. So the people who went to Paro begging for food were his soldiers in his army asking him for food because they had nothing. They had absolutely nothing left and they didn't know what to do. Thus, Batirav Kol Eretz Mitzrayim means the 
poor people. Vayitzaka Am El Moshe, the people that cried out to Paro, were the people of Paro, meaning the soldiers of Paro. And Paro suggested that they should all, the poor people and the soldiers, should go to Yosef and do whatever Yosef was telling them to do, have it be done that way. That's probably the best thing for them to be able to do at the time. That was the idea behind it. Our fourth answer is to Pharisee Yonason. He says the people did have grain. They were able to eat but they were never satisfied. They kept eating and eating and eating and eating. And no matter what they did, they still felt that they had never had enough food. And they kept being bothered by it. That Somebody's by the door, guys. Somebody got, got, thank you, Shlomo. But somebody was bothered, they, who was bothered by it, and they, 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 they had no idea what to do. Here's what the Mitzrayim thought. The Mitzrayim were a land of magic, right? They were a land of Kishuf. So they thought that Yosef Atzadik was doing magic, making them starving, even when they ate food. So they went to Paro. Paro is the king of magic. And they said to king of magic, the king of magic, you have to stop Yosef from doing this to us. He's clearly causing us to be hungry. You've got to stop him. You've got to do something. And he told them that Yosef is more powerful than I am. Yosef was able to predict all this. I wasn't able to predict it. He said, there's nothing I can do. There's absolutely nothing I can do. And I'm sorry, I can't help you whatsoever. That was the four reasons what they ended up going to. Okay, fine. Rashi says, why did Paro have to tell them to do what Yosef told them to do? What was so bad? that Yosef was telling them to do that they were going so crazy about it what was so bad Rashi says apparently Yosef told them to do something crazy Yosef told them in order to get food you have to give yourselves bris milas you have to circumcise yourselves so he went up to everybody you can imagine what that started as a people first of all the women were super happy but the men were sitting there and like we have to what in order to get food? Why in the world do we have to do it? So they went up to Paro and they said, according to Rashi, this is crazy. We're not circumcising ourselves in order to get food. She said back to them, why didn't you guys store grain? Why didn't you prepare for this famine? They said, we did, but it all rotted. So he said, so you're telling me that all of your food rotted, even your bread in your basket, everything rotted. And yet Yosef had all this stuff and it all survived. Everything that he had was good and everything that you had went, went bad. Is that what you're telling me? They said, yeah. He said, all right, you got to go and do whatever he says. Clearly, he has more power than anybody else here. If we have no choice, if everything he does comes true, this famine came true, the rotting came true, everything is there, then what if he decrees that we're going to die? We have to listen to everything Yosef says. What's up, Matthew? Why would Yosef want them to do Bersmeah? Oh, do Bersmeah. So I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but yes, obviously, that's the first problem. Why in the world is Yosef doing that? It's almost like out of like spite. You know, just like they're coming to him and they're coming for food and he's just like, I don't know, cut off your finger. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Like, that's the worst thing you can think of. So why did he do it? So Miyam always adds one more point to this matter. He says, the Egyptians told Paro, we know what happened to Shechem. What happened to Shechem with this guy's brother? Obviously, I don't know how, if they knew he was Yosef, they knew that the brothers were there. I, I don't know. But the Medjur says, they went up to him and said, we know what happened to Shechem. Shechem got a, got a bunch of brismilas and the next day, Shimon and Levi knocked out, destroyed all of the city of Shechem maybe he's planning on doing that to us maybe he's planning on giving us a bris milah and then wiping out our entire nation on the third day when we're all sick maybe that's what Yosef's planning to do to which Paros of Actum fools if this guy wants to kill you he could kill you like that he made a famine he clearly is the only person in charge of food he could do anything he wants he doesn't have to kill you by making you get bris milahs and then killing you he can kill you by starving you to death he could curse you there's so many things that he could do that's what they ended up telling him that's the end of the measures according to me on the ways the 
Shach says the entire conversation is hinted in the Pasuk. Vatirav means they were starving, but there was food available, but they were still starving because it all rotted. That's when they cried out for bread specifically. They had bread that rotted and they didn't know what to do and that's the idea behind it. That's where that Medrash comes in according to Shach. The Rabbi Yol adds that Paro said, even if Yosef tells you to convert to his religion, you should go ahead and do it. That seems to be based on the Medrash Gadol who says that Yosef told them to deny their gods and bless Hashem and give themselves bris milas. And then he would give them food. And they cried out and said, we're not going to forsake our gods. They went to Paro and Paro said, forsake your gods. Like, we don't have a choice. We're starving. We have nothing else left. We have to get rid of our gods right now. There's no other choice. Yeah. Paro himself may not have done it. He may have sent it to the people. So he may have told them. And they're telling him to forsake him for right now because he can't give them food. Remember, the Egyptians believed in a pantheon. So there was no real, like, one god. So you might have believed that he was a god in some way, shape, or form, but he couldn't give them food. He could give them life. So I'll give you life if you get the food from him. And then, at the end, says the Medjagadol, he was rewarded with long life. And maybe that's the reason why he lived all the way to the Bnei Yisrael. Yeah, Ellie, what were you going to say? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. I'm going to say like eight reasons why why he ended up doing this. That's one of them. But the converting thing is definitely one of them. That's definitely true. But that's that. That's that. The question is where Rashi got that from. I'm not going to really concentrate on that, but it is quick. I have six answers to where he got it from. The Rokeh, Rabbi Yod, Rivon, the Rabbi Ophayim say the word Lachem is the Gematria of 90, which is the same Gematria as Hamila to hint to this. The Bear Mein Chaim says there seems to be a Gzera Shav of the word Lachem here and Himo Lachem Kol Zachor. And that's where we learn it from. Himolacham Kozakar is Brismil, obviously. Most of the Canaan says learn from the word Asher Yomar Lachem Taasu, whatever he tells you, until him Kufya Tas Kufsama Bez says Sos Anochi al Imra Secha. Imra Secha is referring to Brismila, so therefore Asher Yomar Lachem is referring to Brismila. That's answer number three. Answer number four. The Hadras of Canaan says learn from the words Himo Yimo, that added Hey to it. Yosef told the Egyptians, Hey Lachem Zora. So the Hey seems to be something important over here. He says that to them, Pars Vayigash. Sedeladera says it's from the word Ta'asu, which is connected to the words Vesa Nefesh Asher Asu Bicharon. Just like Avraminu converted them with the Brismila, so to over here the word Ta'asu is used, or perhaps understood from the Pusik, simply telling the Egyptians felt that Yosef was asking them to do something that they couldn't do. What could it possibly be that Yosef was telling them to do? It must be bris milah. That sixth one is a little bit of a hard one. But out of the first five, you have these gzera shavas slash words that are connected that allow us to believe that it's bris milah. Yeah, Nils. Isn't that five? Which one? If I counter correctly, Rokeh, Rabbeinu Yol, Rivar, Rabbeinu Ophayim, Be'er Mayim Chayim, Moshe Zekanim, Hadar Zekanim, Tzedel L'Derech number one, Tzedel L'Derech number two. There you go. I'm putting, listen, if I get a gematria and I tell you that one thing is 90, right? And I tell you that Hamila is 90, I totally agree. You should definitely count it. I might have messed that up. But if I tell you six answers and I mess that up, I totally agree you should be giving this year. I totally, I'm okay with that. I'm fine. But like six, I think I can count up. I'm okay with that. Okay, that's that. So now what was Yosef doing? Why would he tell them to get a bris mila? This is your question, Mati. That's your question, Ellie. Okay, what in the world was he thinking by giving that? So I have 11 answers. I think I said eight before. It's because I forgot. God. I have 11 answers to this question altogether, okay? Now you can give cheer. So now, the Kliyakr says the easiest answer, and it's the most basic. This answer is given by at least six different Meforshim. I'm quoting the Kliyakr because I think it's the easiest one to go through, but it's said over by by so many different other words. So I'll add on a couple at the end. Kliyakr says an orla is called a cherpa. It's something disgusting, something degrading. And that's what the Shvatim told Shechem when they said, it's degrading to us that an oral is going to marry our sister. We can't let that happen. A famine is also called cherpa. In Yechem 
Cheskel, Paraglamid Vav, Pasaglamid. It says, So a Cherpa is, is somebody without a Brismila and a Cherpa is a Rav. His thought process was, if you remove one Cherpa, you give them a Brismila, then all of a sudden the other Cherpa, the Rav, will be taken away. Practically speaking, removing the Orla is the extra blood from that surrounding area, causing it to rot a bit, right, if it remains. When there's an abundant amount of hay and chaff around that causes rotten, disgusting things to happen to the grain. Yosef himself was Zoha, that his grain didn't rot because he had protected that area of the body from the sin of Potiphar, which seems to be somewhat Mida Kenegamida. So he said, if it worked for me, I kept myself away from Arias, then if you keep yourselves away from Arias, it's going to work for you too. That's the connection of Cherpa, Cherpa, and that's the answer the Kliakri gives. He in fact says that this is learned by Noah. By Noah it says, Vakimosi as Brisi Itoch. I will keep my bris with you, referencing Noah being born with a bris mila, and therefore the food on the table, which was sitting in a dank, dark spot of the table, for 12 months did not rot, which shows that if you have a bris mila, your food will be difficult to rot. If you treat the bris mila correctly, then they won't rot. So Yosef Atzadik thought, okay, so if a person treats his bris mila correctly, as I have seen, I've shown, by me, myself, by keeping my bris mila, then in the end, everything will be okay. Based on that, and Shlomo, hold on a second for that, based on that, there's a Gemara and Sota that have and base. Anyone who's together with the Zona will end up looking for bread and will not find it. And that being together with a non-Jewish woman, he says, will cause his Orla to pull out, which causes him to be disappearing from Avram Vinu, which means he could go into Gehenna. Anybody with the Brismila can't, but with that, if the Orla is there, then it's there. Getting a Brismila, he says, curbs one's taivas. And Egyptians were well known for their immorality. That's why this Tikkun might work for them for a famine. He thought, hey, if this works for this, then why not? So I don't know if I can count this as one answer or two answers. I'm kind of counting it as a 1 and a 1A. They're kind of connected to each other, Cherpa, Cherpa, versus this idea. I think the connection is the same. The Osnayim Torah continues it. He says, Yosef was well aware of the Arias and Mitzrayim. He was well aware that the Mitzrayim were well known for doing terrible, terrible things, experiencing it firsthand with Potiphar's wife and all of her friends. Maybe even Potiphar himself. Remember Potiphar? Potiphar wanted Yosef himself. Such immorality causes a hunger. So therefore he gave them bris milas to curb their tivas and to stop them from doing such a riot. Maybe that's why the hunger ended after two years. We all say it's because Yaakovinu gave them a bracha and the Nile River overflowed, etc. It could be that this is why, because they got rid of their riot with those bris milas. The Baramein Chaim says Noah needed a bris on the table for the food not to ride, as we said he was born with a bris mila. Rashi tells us that over there. He didn't say that he had a bris, but Rashi says it over there. Noah also kept his bris and wasn't together with the women or the other men before the teva. He kept himself away from all those things and therefore he was zocha to the food lasting. And that's the idea. If the food rotted, he said, it must be because of rice. There's no other choice. And that's why he suggested the seek. And the Chafetz Chaim says there is no doubt that Yosef Atzadik was also preparing the land for an influx of Jews that were going to come in soon. He knew he was going to bring everybody else inside. He knew all that. So therefore, what he ended up doing was his absolute best to weaken the tumor of the land and to bring about as much Kedusha as possible to allow them to be as holy as they could when they were there. And that's exactly what he did. That's how the Chafetz Chaim put it. Shlomo, yeah, what was your question? The yeah. So the, the, I know there's discussion about whether it works on a practical, physical level, or it's more of a spiritual level. Are we assuming, according to this, that it's not a, it's, that it's the physically? It seems like it's a physical thing. 
Seems like it's a physical thing. That's one, but I can't guarantee that. The Kliakr is kind of indicating the second answer. But number two? Yeah, I, I think you're right. The fact just be getting a brismila doesn't make you more kadosh, but I think again it has to do with rights. That's why I put it as an end for all these. I think that gets rid of the tumah because people are not going to do the terrible things that they've been doing up until now. I think that's exactly what he's trying to say. The chavetz chaim itself. Okay, and that leads to an all aryeh, right? Rabbi Label Kat says Yosef knew how hard it would be for Klal Yisrael in the future to live in Mitzrayim, and they might stop giving themselves brismilas to make themselves more like the Egyptians. That's why he forced the Egyptians to get brismilas as well, so that they would eventually never have that excuse. Like in the future, they wouldn't have that excuse whatsoever. The truth is, as soon as Yosef died, they started doing brismila. That's exactly what they did. But when he passed away, and the Egyptians stopped circumcising themselves, that's when B'nai Yisrael stopped doing the bris milah. That was exactly the problem. Rav Hirsch, Rav Heschel of Krakow, Rav Yonis and I just says the same in Yaroslavash Chilik, Aleph Drush Beis, and Torah Shlema number 138. They all say the exact same thing. That as soon as Yosef stopped, that's when they started getting involved with all these arias and all these types of things, which they never should have gotten involved with. One time, Rav Yonas and was speaking with a min, an apostate, who didn't want to give a bris milah to his son. He said he knew that the Jews actually got the custom of brismila from the Egyptians who used to circumcise themselves before the Jews ever circumcised themselves. And Rabbi Yonason Eibschitz answered him or told him, he said, it's a hundred percent a Jewish custom. He said, how in the world are you believing Wikipedia, for example, over Rashi and our Torah? How in the world? It's clear the Egyptians did have brismila before the Jews came because Yosef gave it to them. Yosef gave them the concept. So if there's some of that say that. So because they're always, so he said, so the guy ended up answering. He went back to him and he said, Rabbi that doesn't make any sense. Why would Yosef have told them to get brismilas in Mitzrayim? And he answered, because of what you just said. In other words, because... He said there were Jews that were going to say, we want to be like the nations of the world. And just like the nations don't give brismila, we don't want to give brismila. So therefore, we made the Egyptians give brismila so the Jews wouldn't have that excuse when they came down to Mitzrayim. That's exactly what he told them. He told them this answer. That's what Rabbi Yonasai told them in. So that's the idea behind it. That's answer number two slash three, however you want to put it. Okay, next. Miamwe says it's possible that Yaakovin was acting in the way of Avram Vino. And that's what you were saying before, Eli. He was, he was Megayer then. He wanted to be Megayer as many people in Mitzrayim giving them muster and slowly but surely acting, making them act in a different way. Maybe, right, everyone was cursing Paro for hoarding the food while pa- Yosef was giving it out. It could be that Yosef Atzadik was thinking, maybe I could lead them all to become Gerim. Now this, remember, is before the Shvatim came down to Mitzrayim. Yosef Atzadik may have thought to himself that his job as the leader of all of Mitzrayim is to be Megayer as many people as possible. Similar to Avram you know, when he first came to Eretz Canaan. Only when the Shvatim came did he realize that that wasn't his job. His job was to save Klau Yisrael, so he put them in Goshen, separated from the Egyptians, and he stopped giving bris milas to the Egyptians. It makes sense. His plan changed when he saw what he had to do. So it's possible, says Miamloiz, that that's what he's doing. The Al-Sheikh, the Al-Sheikh says that Yosef knew this hunger was based on astrology. Teres Yonason said the seven cows were based on the five planets, the sun and the moon. If he could cheat the stars, then he could cheat them out of the hunger. If he's Megayer them, then they're B'nai Yisrael. What do we say about B'nai Yisrael Mazel, guys? Yeah, Ein, Ein Mazel Yisrael. So he thought maybe he could cheat the hunger by making them Jews, and then the hunger would stop. Eli, yeah. Could this be a way to curb thirstiness? If there's less, if there's less, less 
Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that was the answer that I wanted before from the Baramayim Chaim that was on the Torah. Yeah, that hundred percent. I think a hundred percent. That's the idea behind what he was trying to do. But this idea of gerus, I think, is a little bit different. This gerus idea is a completely different idea they wanted to go through. The problem with that idea, says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, is you can't force someone to convert. And what was Yosef Atzadik doing? Forcing them to get brismilos in order to get food. You can't force somebody to do that. In fact, if someone comes to convert because they see the Jews have the ability to save them, we don't accept them as converts, right? Nobody accepts that because that's Gerus in a good time. We don't try to make Gerim during that time. There's Gemara Yavamis Chavdalad, Yavamis Memzayin that talks about this. Aside from that, wouldn't it be obvious to any outside observers that Yosef Atzadik was Yosef Atzadik if some foreigner whose name, whose old name was Yosef started getting everyone to convert in Egypt in order to get food? Don't you think the Shvatim would have heard about this and they'd be like, huh, strange. We had a brother named Yosef. I wonder if they're connected. <laughs> like, it's a strange thing altogether, isn't it? That all of a sudden he starts asking for something like this. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kanetsky. Something seems really wrong with what he was doing. So Maskele David says, Maybe they didn't realize what they were doing yet, but if he gave them brismilos, maybe that mitzvah would have an effect on them and they would become better people. Maybe Yosef did that, right? Uh, that he did that in order to make them into better people to just cut around. That's how he answers Ryakov Kamenetsky's question. Aside from that, he said, how do you know Yosef wasn't trying to send a message to the Shvatim? Maybe he was trying to send a message that he's alive and well and look what I'm doing in Mitzrayim. Somehow the Shvatim didn't get that message. They didn't get the memo that there was bris mila going on in Mitzrayim. But maybe he was trying to surreptitiously, is that the right word? Let them know, hey, I'm down here, I'm in charge, come down to Mitzrayim. Maybe he's doing it without them really knowing it. Maybe that's the idea behind it. However, Rabbi Yaakov himself says another answer based on the name of the Malach of Mitzrayim. The name of the Malach of Mitzrayim is Rahav, Resh Heves, which means to be haughty and to be a people that think of themselves as absolutely great. These were people that found it hard to break bread with foreigners. They wouldn't eat at the same table as foreigners, right? When Yosef Atzadik was eating with the Shvatim, everybody else, the Egyptians, had to eat at a different table. They couldn't eat together. So it could be that the Egyptians were so haughty, such gaiva, they called them Ivrim, like they're from the other side. They, we don't want to deal with them whatsoever. And maybe he knew, Yosef Atzadik knew, that they wouldn't survive in Egypt with those types of people around. After all, the Egyptians, again, were known for their physical prowess, how big and strong they were. Yechesko talks about that. Maybe that's the reason why. To break down that gaiva, Yosef may have told the wealthiest among them, remember how he said up above there was the poorest among them? The wealthiest among them, that they should get brismilas to knock themselves down. And then he told the poor people to move houses. That's what he does in Baigash. He gets them to go from house to house to house so that everybody would feel more at home when they came to Mitzrayim. The Jews also had brismila. The Jews also didn't have homes. They all would be together. So that's the idea. He would knock down their egos and help them. And that's the idea of what the brismila was for. So that's another answer, possibly a sixth answer, as what we're dealing over here. There's Rabbi Yudah Saad. There's Rabbi Yonis and Eibshitz. And there's also a Sfasemis. A Sfasemis that goes into Tzadik Yesod Olam and what it had to do over here and stuff like that. He, the Mayan based Shueva discusses this a little bit. He goes into what they had. Chavila and Shur were the places of Bnei Ketura. He says a crazy Chiddush that no, he wasn't telling all the Egyptians to get Brismila. He was trying to convince the Bnei Ketura to get Brismila. Did everybody know the Rambam Paskins La'alacha, the Bnei Ketura Archive and Brismila? And because technically the, they're in the world, they might be a mute. 
but they're kavua somewhere. There's a set people that live in a place that are the B'nai Keturah. Therefore, even though the rove of the world is not B'nai Keturah, the whole world is technically Chayiv and Brismila because of B'nai Keturah. Maybe that's why Yosef Atzadik went ahead and gave Brismila to all of Mitzrayim. Because there's a mute of B'nai Keturah among them. The B'nai Keturah are Chayiv. And because their kavua and not rove wouldn't apply, therefore he gave a brismila to every single person in Mitzrayim because of that. He held like the Rambam. Obviously, Yosef Atzadik knew the Rambam. There's no question about that, right? So clearly he knew it, and he went ahead and did that. That's how the Mayan Beis Shueva says it. There's a Tzedel Aderech that brings that down. There's also a Be'er Basada that says it's based on Hilchus Malachim, Parak Yodalach Okay, there's a bunch. There's others that say that he was allowed to because he, they were all his avadim. What's that lachabai in Evid Kanani, guys? What's the first thing you do with an Evid Kanani when you own an Evid Kanani? You give him a bris meal. You actually know that's a nirtza by an Evid Ivri if he wants to work for more than six years. Right? But an Evid Kanani, you give them bris meal. That's how we know that Haman had a bris meal. Do you guys know that? Haman had a bris meal? If Haman sold himself as a slave to Mordechai, then he was an Evid Kanani. What's that lachabai in Evid Kanani? You gotta, he, he's, he's automatically a, a Jew. So he gave him a bris mila, right? So he gave Haman a bris mila. So that's why it was so shocking. Like, the, the, he called him out on it. Mordechai said, like, oh, he's my slave. He told everybody else, right? Asher he gidlahem, asher hu yehuti. He told them that he was a Jew. Not that Mordechai was a Jew, that Haman was a Jew. It's a long story, but you can look it up. When we get to Purim, maybe I'll talk about it then. But either way, that's that. And there's a famous Likute Sichos, the Lubavitch Rebbe that says that as well. He goes into this as well. But... I'm going to stop with this. I've got two quick stories over here. Rabbi Yosef Shalom Nathanson, the Rav of Lvov, was once approached by a Jewish traveler who asked him if he could darshan in the base medrash. Since he needed money to marry off his older daughters, that's what he used to do. You know, to be a guy, he used to come along from city to city, and he would go in and he'd darshan in front of everybody. Okay, so he got up there, and Rav Nathanson gave him permission to speak. He got up to speak, but it was clear he had no idea what he was talking about. He was a horrible speaker. He had no idea what he was saying. And he got up, right? And it was absolutely terrible. So after he finished, he went up to the Rav, and he asked him what he thought. So Rav Nathanson brought him this Pusik. He said this Pusik. You have to do that. And he said, why did Yosef suggest that they would all get bris milos? Why was that the suggestion? What was he suggesting over here? Because he wasn't sure who to trust here. Maybe some people were asking for food, but they were really hoarding it at home, and they were just trying to get free government handouts. You remember when the government was giving free food to all the Jews? <laughs> remember that? Like COVID time, and everybody's going, right? And people are lining up in their Infinities and Lexuses and Teslas to get free food from the government, right? Pilate's looking at that, and he's like, these Jews, <laughs> or these Egyptians, they know, right? They know how to get free food. So people could be hoarding it at home and holding it out, and they don't really need it. Right? So if I tell them they can only get food if they give themselves a bris milah, said Yosef, then I'll know who really needs food. Because if they're really hoarding food, then they're like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm out. But if they really need food, they're going to do bris milah. So when Paro went to Yosef and said, what's going on here? Why are you doing such a thing? Yosef Tzadik told him, I'm trying to weed out the bad guys. I'm trying to weed out the guys who don't need food. The guys who need food will be here and that's that. So he said, he said to this guy, he went up to this guy, and said, it said, like, you clearly had no idea what you were talking about, but you still wanted to speak. So I would tell you, you clearly need money. <laughs> There's no question in my mind that you need money. So 
is it worth the money for you saying that speech? No, the speech was terrible. But you clearly need money, so it's tzedakah if I give you money. So he gave him a ton of money. <laughs> That's what Rodinson told him. I'm sure he didn't hurt his feelings whatsoever. But that was the idea of what he told him right over there. And that's that. Elena Lishabach says there's many people that go to Gedolim. They ask for advice. They ask for a bracha. Right? Even a Yeshua. They ask for Yeshua something crazy. They'll ask for anything out there. But we see that not everyone is saved by the brachos of the Gedolim. Sometimes the bracha happens immediately. Sometimes it's a little while later. And sometimes not at all. Why does that happen? Why does that happen, Sir Rabbi Zilberstein? Why does that happen? Why are there different people all the time? Yosef told the Egyptians, he says, to get a bris milah. He may have done this because he knew they were all going to be saved because of him, Yosef. In order for Yosef to save them, he needed to feel a connection with them. He needed to feel like they were like him, a part of him. So in order to be similar to him, he said, all right, guys, go give yourselves bris milahs. When they gave themselves brismilas, it would allow the Yeshua to happen because they would be connected to Him. They would just be part of Him. Like we said before, almost like they're Avadim. He could understand them. He could be together with them. So he says, that's why he told them to get brismilas. We're like, we're like each other, that would be that. The bracha of a tzaddik does not often work by someone who doesn't follow the ways of the tzaddik. If he goes to the tzaddik for a bracha, and he gets a bracha from the tzaddik, then Hashem will look at him and say, well, did you do what the tzaddik told you to do? Did you follow what the tzaddik himself does? We're willing to give that bracha and that Yeshua to the tzaddik, but to go to you, you have to connect yourself to the tzaddik. For that reason, there are people that give a pidyon, a redemption, a money, a little bit of money to the tzaddik. So they're connected to the tzaddik. The tzaddik feels like, oh, they gave me something so that I can go, I can do something for them. It could go to yeshiva, it could go to tzedakah, it could do anything, but it's given to the tzaddik to connect them with that tzaddik itself. If someone takes on for himself something that that tzaddik does, that may help the bracha or the yeshua of the tzaddik come quicker, he says. Because that's what Yosef tzaddik did, and who knows, maybe that's what made the, the rav end quicker. Maybe that's why the hunger ended quicker than it actually did. He suggests that, and I suggest that for everybody here. If you go to a tzaddik, you ask him for a bracha, you're asking for a yeshua, and you wonder why it hasn't happened, ask the tzaddik what you can do. And if the tzaddik won't tell you specifically what you can do, then ask him what he does. See if there's something that he does that you could take on for yourself to be more similar to the tzaddik. And if you don't have a bris milah, then get yourself a bris milah. That would be a great idea. That would be a great connection. That would be something that connects you straight to him the same way that Yosef tzaddik told these people. Altogether, I think I had 11 answers altogether. It might have been a little bit more, but I don't remember. But in the end, that's the idea of what he tried to do over here. Shkayach, everybody. Have a great Shabbos. Shkayach for coming.